komme, voel het aan. Proeven zal je zoete laag, 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 laag. Oh Back in orange, orange is the new black. This is bold perceptions. We got a cool perception today. A girl that I found on a viral Instagram reel about her leaving everything from uh, somewhere in Utah to go to the Middle East. I guess she's been obsessed with the Middle East for a while. And this happened right when uh, Biden pulled out and there's a whole shit going on and she was kind of explaining from her perspective after living in the Middle East um, kind of what she thought and and I was really excited to to reach out to her because I love when people do things and then their perception changes or they go somewhere and they see things and everything they were told when they grew up maybe wasn't true and they get to experience it for themselves and I love I love those experiences where your whole world changes and you get a lot through travel. So this is Quinn Driggs. Um, she's a she's a traveler. She has her own location independent business through Instagram. And she's like an expert on the Middle East or, or someone that's been really studying it for a while. Quinn, how are you? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm in, I'm in Marseille, France. And I was just telling you, I'm a little burnt out, but I'm excited yeah. to talk to you. I've been sick for like two weeks, so I'm burnt out too. I'm coming on the last leg of the sickness, but it's fine. Where did this Middle East infatuation come from? I mean, you're a, a white girl from Utah that said one day I'm going to go move to the Middle East. I mean, yeah. anyone else, that's crazy. It makes no sense. It's very random. Yeah, it's it's pretty roundabout um, how it came about. And I, so I'm kind of from all over the place, but I went to high school in Idaho. So like even worse than Utah, right? Of just like this small town farm, like what the heck? I've never, you know, even met someone that was from the Middle East in my entire life before this. Um, but I, um, basically how it came about when I was 15, I got really obsessed with like religion type stuff. I'm pretty Christian. I grew up Mormon. Um, and I, started just kind of reading this author that I became really obsessed with about like theology things. And I came across this essay that he wrote about Islam. And I was just so fascinated for whatever reason, I think because I had never been taught like really anything about that religion, like at all. I remember like one class in seventh grade where we covered it for like a day. Right. And that's all I've ever heard. And so I kind of had this idea in my mind that Islam was like the most foreign religion, had nothing to do with anything that I knew. And when I read this essay and it explained, you know, this is an Abrahamic religion that we have um, the same roots as Christianity and Judaism, that we're all sister religions. Like it was almost so mind blowing to me. And I, I just became obsessed because I was so bothered that I had never been taught that. And I have a really like curious mind. And so I just had so many questions and I was so bothered that my perception of it was so wrong for so long because I don't like to be wrong. And so I was like, I need to know more about this. And I just thought it was so fascinating, to be quite honest. Like, I, I really think theology is really fascinating. I'm really connected to that part of the world because, you know, the Middle East is so um, historically affluent. You know, that's where everything began. Mesopotamia, Iraq, like that's the first civilization. You know, everything goes back to Jerusalem. So I think it was like this spiritual connection as well, wanting to understand the theology of it better. So it started with just like learning more about Islam. And then from there, it just grew. And I just, I kind of just started reading everything I could get my hands on. I'm pretty nerdy and I love to read. So that's how it started. Did you, did you convert? No, no. No, from Mormon to Christian or are you still a Mormon? Um, I'm still Mormon. Yeah. Still I'm not here. as active with church stuff, but yeah, it's still like my core belief. I mean, this is kind of off topic, but you always hear the, the Mormon stories about like, especially now with the internet, like the kids, they grow up and they look on the internet they're like, oh my God, you know, and like the cognitive dissonance just hits them super hard. And it, it's sad. Like it sees a lot of people like just distance themselves fully from the Mormon like religion. I mean, I've met a lot of Mormons and they're nice people. You know, they knock on the door and, hey, you know, let me do this and that. But I mean, uh, let's talk about that for a quick second. Like right. When you started reading all this different shit and a lot of the Mormons go crazy about it, don't they? And they just like totally reject the church. No, 
I, I don't really think so, to be quite honest. I think that, um, I think that Mormons are like some of the most open-minded Christians, especially when it comes to other religions more than anyone else. We have a really pure belief that like there is truth in everything. And the Mormon perception is that we hold the truth of the gospel, right? But we find truths in everything. And we understand that like everyone has their own truths. That makes sense. And we just kind of believe that we have like the fullness of it. Um, but I would say like, I've talked on my um, Instagram extensively about how um, especially with Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, like we're all speaking about the same God. We all have the same roots and I'll get all kinds of Baptist, Calvinist, you know, other Christians in my, in my DMs. And maybe not every Christian believes this. And they're like, no, 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 no. We do not believe in the same God as Jews or Muslims. You know, God is Christ and Christ is God. But Mormons don't believe that. Mormons believe that God is the father, Christ is the son, and then there's a Holy Ghost. So Mormons are a lot more, I would say, open-minded to the fact of other religions and understanding of our connections more than a lot of Christians that I know. Um, so yeah. Interesting. You, you just uh, changed my perception. Speaking <laughs> of, of changing that perception. So, you know, a lot of Americans, I mean, 80% of Americans can't place Germany on a map, but you know, for the most opinion, they do, they think the Middle East is a total war zone. It's totally fucked up. It's this and that. And yeah. Let's talk about you going over there and, and experiencing. I've met a lot of Middle Easterns here in Europe. And, you know, I've definitely, I've never been to the Middle East, but they've definitely changed my opinion on what the hell is going on. Because obviously yeah. we, were forced, we were force fed a lot of shit with the 9-11 and, exactly. and whatnot. But you yeah. tell me kind of what is actually happening there. You had feet on the ground and you got to really experience it. Yeah. So I know, I think it's, I think what you said was really key that, we have such strong opinions about a place that we actually don't really know anything about, you know, and we tend to put our emotions over fact a lot of time, feelings over fact. Um, and I'm like the opposite type of person, like fact over feeling every time. That's just who I am. And um, when I was first moving there, because I moved there, so I'm 22 now, but I moved there when I was 20. And I, everyone had their opinion about it. They're like, what are you doing? Like, you shouldn't be doing that. That's scary, whatever. My parents were a little bit wary, but I've been traveling alone for a while and I'm self-sustainable. I'm independent. So like, I felt like it was right. And I'm very intuitive. Like I know, you know, how to do things. And I had traveled alone in Europe and I had lived alone already. So my parents were like kind of on board with it, but a lot of people had a lot of opinions, which is so funny. Cause I'm like, you've never even been there. So I don't, you know, understand where you're coming from. But yeah, I mean, I, like you said in the beginning, like I'm not an expert on anything and I only lived in Amman. So like I saw Amman and their culture, right? I didn't even get to see necessarily all of like Jordan's culture because it, it varies throughout the country. Um, but just from everything that I know and my friends and my boyfriend and everything like that and what I've learned is just it really just comes down to a lot of ignorance, right? Like we just genuinely aren't, it's not even that like we're not taught correctly in the US, we're just not taught anything. And I think that's what it really comes down to. And I don't, it may be different at different schools or whatever it is, but from what I can see, we're just not, we, we hardly even ever talk about the Middle East. And there's a, a podcaster that I really love to listen to who's like, He's the actual expert on foreign policy, especially in the Middle East. He's a libertarian. His name's Scott Horton. And he's like one of my favorite people, like one of my mentors. And um, something that I love that he talks about is just like, you just see something on the TV, but no one is explaining the context. And I think that's the biggest issue with the Middle East is that you see like a war or we're pulling out of Afghanistan or, you know, there's the terrible ISIS bombing in Afghanistan, but no one is explaining the context behind that. And so that's why our view is just so narrow because we have none of the outside. So the minute I just started to learn the outside, the past, the present, the future, all these different things that are going on, it's so intricate and it's not black and white. And we just see it so, so black and white, which is insane because everything is gray. Um, so I think that that's why it is. It's interesting that we have such strong opinions when we like really don't know anything about it. Um, and no, this it's is, just this that is, it's a black and white. I really wanted to get to like the bigger picture here. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I mean, 90% of what I was taught maybe in the schools and in the church and, and et cetera, like the more I've traveled, the more I see, 
the more it's totally flipped on its head. Know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. you go back the food pyramid that was shoved down our throats with all the carbs and all that. Shit. That's yeah. Totally one day it's good to drink wine. One day it's not. Same with coffee. Right. I mean, the the doctors pre- prescribing cigarettes back in the day, and it's right. like everything your tot is totally flipped on its head. You got to go out and find your own answers. Like you said, everything is exactly. fucking great. There's exactly. no clear cut way of living. And that's like the, the message I really wanted to get across. If you mm-hmm. drop in everything, move into the middle East and it's like, Oh wow. You know, it's way different than what the TV man says, you know, on CNN or, or Tucker yeah. Carlson. I think there's like a purpose behind. And I was, I actually think about this all the time with religion because I'm, it really is so near and dear to my heart, like the way that I grew up. And I think that there's so much beauty in it and it really shaped me to who I am today. But what I've been trying to kind of comprehend and understand about the world, especially because I am someone that really used to think so black and white, um, because I'm like this or this, you know, is there's a reason that we're taught to be like within guidelines, right? Because it's the easiest way to teach something. But we just have to start understanding that just because we're taught that way doesn't mean that's just the way that it is. That's just because that's the only way they can teach us. Does that make sense? Like sometimes you have to have guidelines around something to make it make sense for people as you're like like guiding them and leading them. And I feel like that's kind of what I was taught growing up in like a religious like church where like you go to church every Sunday. They're teaching you things in black and white because that's the easiest way to teach it. You know, I don't even like blame them. It's just like, you have to take it upon yourself to understand that and then do the work to figure out everything else. No, it's good structure. A lot of things is, is good structure. Right. To, to, I mean, if you want to get down the rabbit hole to, to go to school, to get the nine to five, to have the kids, to do right. this, like right. just, just to do like a, a simple life that they teach in this structure. You know I mean? Don't do the drugs, don't do this and that, but as soon as you want to try to escape the matrix, you start seeing shit. You're like, Oh my it's God. Hard. Like it is like, it is like cattle going to the, yeah. to the, the slaughter. You know what I mean? I like, Oh yeah. Maybe this, this won't make me fulfilled. Maybe this won't make me happy. Maybe this is oh, so true. To. And that's like what I've been going through for the last five years. And it, it is, it's a lot of cognitive dissonance. It's a lot. It's a, it's emotionally overwhelming for me. Cause I'm just someone who like, I really want, true joy and like satisfaction. And I like really believe in like rights and wrongs and truth and not truth. And like my desires is to do good. So I'm like, get so confused. I'm like, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, you know? But I think also it's really interesting because I think that we've had this structure for so long because it's been necessary, but now we live in an age where you can access all the information that you need, you know, where before you couldn't. So there almost had to be a structure. But now I think we're kind of breaking out of that structure bind because we have so much access to information ourselves. We don't have to gain it from someone else. We can go out and get it ourselves, you know? Totally. And you said the the facts over feeling thing. I, I mean, would like to agree, but I'm starting to get to the point now where I think it d- doesn't matter. Like, I don't think there are facts. I think our reality is so subjective. For sure, to an extent. For sure, to an extent. Yeah, I agree. And I'm starting to really get to the point where I don't know what is up, what is down. And yeah. I don't think I'm crazy. I don't think I'm losing my mind. But the more exactly. I see, the more I do, the more I learn. Yeah. It's like, okay. You get more confused. Yeah. And I, I'm big into the perception is reality. I'm big into, you know, someone yeah. else's truth is not my truth. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think around when Trump got elected, I think something ripped in our universe and people have gone fucking crazy. I think there's, there's uh, the famous thing, uh, Scott Adams has kind of gotten a little wild on me, Scott Adams, but he said like, there's two movies on one screen. Like me and you could be watching the same movie and we're seeing totally opposite things. And I think that's what, I don't, I don't think we have an understanding of what reality is. And I think things are getting a little off the walls. Yeah. And when I say facts over feelings, I kind of believe, like, I kind of just see it more as like, we take the feeling as fact, which you can't do. Like there is like, there is some things that are fact, you know, or you're ignoring the actual like fact of something because of the way you feel about it. And I think this perfectly applies to the Middle East and like, especially with US perception on war in the Middle East, right? Because we've been fed this propaganda that people in the Middle East hate us because of our freedom, which is the biggest like BS I've ever heard in my life. And you would know that had you actually looked at like, literal fact like it's not like a perception or opinion it's just the fact but we choose to 
like we choose this feeling of like, oh, they hate us because of our freedom and this and that and that. And we don't even take the steps to look at like the actual fact on the ground because the feeling is so comfortable for us. So we're choosing the feeling over the fact. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. It totally does. But also sometimes like, okay, the placebo or the perception is reality. Maybe that makes them feel good. And maybe that brings them down sure. the path. Like, and, and that is their reality. That's the reality yeah. they live in. That's the hard I mean, part. That's true. That's true to them. It's so true to them. Exactly. I know. Yeah. And it's great because I, that used to be me, you know, that used to be me. Like I used to have, it, it's funny with the Middle East, especially like I used to have this perception that I grew up with. And like, that was truth to me. And even when I started learning about the Middle East in the beginning, like I think back to what I was studying because I'm 22. So I guess seven years ago when I was 15, I'm like, oh my gosh, what I was studying and what I was understanding from what I was studying is so different from how I understand it now. Um, and it's just because like, that was what was so real to me. And then I kind of switched that, that path. And I, as I learned more, right. So I think it's really interesting because like, that's one of my biggest things with, I really just like my life desires to educate the U S on the middle East. Like that's really what it is, especially conservatives, because I come from a conservative background, like politically. And, um, I feel like my biggest thing is I'm like, I know how you think and why you think it because I was you until I was opened up to this, this, and this, and this. So I kind of just almost want to help people like go down the journey that I went on so that they can see things on a realer, a more realistic basis so that we can actually make some change and some impact and things like that. So, yeah. Good mission. I like, I like the mission. <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm trying to figure out where the balance is. Because yeah. I know on one hand, everything I could be thinking right now, it could be totally false and it's totally not helping me out. But on the other hand, I do these things and I'm living a good life. I love my life. I'm having fun. It's exciting. So where do I do the balance? Perception is reality yeah. or finding the truth. Or if there is a fucking truth. Now I'm yeah. getting like. And I so think it's interesting too. Because it's something. like, what if you knew that truth that you think that you don't need to know and that made your life better? Or, or I do a lot of drugs and turn into a hippie and go lay on the side of the streets and say I'm in Nirvana. Know what I mean? So I just and there like you a go. Weird, weird act. There's a like whole... We were talking about Tulum. You were, you were visiting there. I met people like that. I'm like, okay, I, I just don't see this as a long-term solution. Yeah. Maybe you're happy right now and you're so woke, but I don't know. So it's interesting. It, it is interesting. I, I think you got to go with your gut. Sure. I think you got to go with your gut, but my gut changes too. Like my gut yeah. five years ago is different than it is now. Yeah. And that's okay. That's just like the complication of life. But yeah, it's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. Speaking about the politics, you're, you're um, uh, a libertarian. You say it on your social media as you talk about it. I like it. I love, I don't like rules. I hate rules. There's been so many rules in the last two years that I've been trying to fight back. Yeah. I told you one of my favorite books of all time is How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World by Harry Brown. And yeah, and Harry Brown him, is huh? like incredible. Yeah, a lot of people consider him like the godfather of, of uh, libertarianism. But yeah. I love the meaning of it. I, I hate being told what to do. Let me do me. Let me figure it out for myself. Talk about your libertarian beliefs. Yeah, so um, I grew up um, with like a family that considered themselves like Republican. And, um, so I grew up like with my family, always talking about politics. Like my parents were so into it. And really what we were taught, like as a core belief was just that, you know, we are a free society. And I was like really taught on this, like this number one, like this nationalist, nationalistic, like love for my country, love for the US, love for like what we stand for, things like that. And then alongside that, like love for our history and love for our constitution. And so um, even as like a young girl, like I said, I've been pretty nerdy my whole life. I was like really fascinated by American history, especially during the Revolutionary War and like learning about the constitution. So I started in-depthly studying the constitution when I was about 13. And that was like the core of why I considered myself to be a conservative or Republican, because I thought and I understood that Republicans believed in the concept of small government. They were constitutionalists, I thought in my mind, like they believed in um, emphasis on the state government rather than emphasis on the federal government, which is exactly what it says in the Constitution. 
Um, so I feel like I've always been a libertarian, but I just didn't know that I was a libertarian. I thought I was like aligning myself correctly um, because I thought that that's what the Republican Party stood for. So I've been interested in politics forever. Um, I I really like I'm not someone that can sit down and like chat with like policies or chat about policies with you. Like I I don't necessarily like know all my all my stuff when it comes to like actual policies and like modern politics and things like that. Like I have my opinions on Second Amendment and abortion and all these types of things, right? But what I know and what I've studied the most is the role of government, like the philosophical role of government in our life. And I think that that's one thing that people don't understand in the U.S. because we're once again not taught it. Unless you're doing your reading outside of school, you're never going to be taught like really the core of the Constitution. John Locke, Thomas Hobbes, like all these people on the philosophical role of the government. And so we get so lost in like the politics and the policies that we forget just the actual core of what we're doing. And so that's the most important thing to me is like, well, let's forget about I think that's designed. I think that's but, designed. I think that's exactly what they want people to do. Oh, for sure. And 100% is right. But the minute we can just get rid of this outside noise and just focus on like, well, what is like this government's role supposed to be in our life? And it's so hard for us to comprehend that because it's such a big part of our life now. And they're so intricately involved in everything, taxes, social security numbers, driver's license, like everything has to do with the government. And you're never going to be able to understand that unless you've done that reading and looked at that history and understand how we've evolved as a nation, especially in the 20th century. Um, so anyways, I, I used to listen to like Ben Shapiro religiously, like every single day, all this stuff. And I'm like, Ooh, like I can't handle why I liked him so much, but just in the last couple years, it really was like the Middle East stuff that changed a lot of my opinions because I started to notice that um, like the Republican narrative on the Middle East was just so false and just so misconstrued. And that's not to say that the left's narrative is any better. I, I think everything the left does is dumb. Like I just have no, I have no connection to them because their role of government is so big and it has nothing to do with libertarianism, right? But I started to just find holes in so many of the people that I would listen to, like the commentators I would listen to on the conservative side with foreign policy in the Middle East. And so once I kind of started to figure out that, I just went a little bit deeper and I just kind of like opened my eyes a little bit more to like, what do they really stand for today? You know, maybe that was their core um, back in the day, but not anymore. And I found... Um, this guy named Dave Smith on Joe Rogan and Dave Smith is like my favorite person on the planet. And I was listening to this Joe Rogan episode with him and I was like, wait, this man is saying everything that I have in my head and he's a libertarian. And so I kind of just, he was like my first introduction into like the real libertarian party. Um, Cause I used to say in like high school, um, I was a libertarian, but I didn't really like know anything about like the actual party of being a libertarian. And they, you know, in some ways they have like no power because they're so small, um, but they're growing a lot. And so it was it wasn't until recently that I really like aligned myself with their party rather than just believing in their um, like core values and everything. Yeah, I think the the left, the Democrats act like they're not going to fuck you, but they do behind the scene. And I think the Republicans yeah. just say, hey, we're going to fuck you. <laughs> they both work for the same like, people. Yeah. I think they both have, they take orders from the top. But they do, exactly. And like, the Republican Party is not small government, 110%. No, they both want power and they want to use that power in different ways. That's all it is, right? But ultimately, they, they, they both want central planning power. But the way that they're going to use that central planning power is different. And that's what I'm like, you guys, then just take I don't away. Think, I don't think it's so power. different. I think the, the end result is the top well, dogs get paid. Different, right? Like one wants to have pro-life and one wants to have pro-choice, right? Or one wants to raise taxes and one wants to lower taxes, which actually is I think those are a facade. I think that all that stuff yeah, is a I think to, an extent, to divide people, to divide people, to take all our shits and give it to the wealthy and then. They, and I'm not talking about the wealthy. I'm not talking about the person that makes a million dollars down your street. No, I'm talking, about the I'm talking about the people that run shit, 100. Exactly. But no, the government. I guess they, I used to, I used to be pretty. I'd say right for sure. Yeah. Um, 
but the more I think I started traveling and the more I started realizing that they don't do shit for me. And the more they literally, they just chip, chip, chip away at my freedom and want to get in every aspect yeah. of my life. I've gone totally fucked. Yeah. I do well, not like been, them at all. Since, um, since LBJ, it's been Republican presidents that have expanded the federal government more than any other pre president. And I, I would say, especially like with the war state, like that's obviously a very like Republican based movement. So maybe the left is more concerned about expanding healthcare, but the right is more concerned about expanding the war state. And either way, they're both expanding their power, right? All I know, because I was reading about this other day, like how, like with this COVID thing that's happened is, you know, it was the, it was the two weeks to stop it. Then, okay, just wear a mask and whatever. Then we shut down your business, then vaccines, then boosters. And it's like, it went from two weeks to 500 days. You know what yep. I mean? And mm -hmm. I'm going back because I hate taxes. That's why I'm staying yep. um, outside of the country for 330 days a year. So I don't have to pay them because fuck them. <laughs> my, my money doesn't get used at all. And I look I looked there, you know, there was no income tax back in the day. And then the civil war yeah. happened. Hey, you know, we need to raise money, just 3%. That's all we're going to do. And then after 1876, we're going to cancel it. No more income tax. Right. People think we've been paying in income tax our, our whole existence and that yeah. we have to pay it or yeah. everything's going to shut down. Look, 3%. I mean, obviously it went to like 70, 80 when we had the world wars, we could write off everything. No, I mean, people yeah. weren't really paying it. But now it's just it keeps going bigger and bigger and more and more. And yep. It's just like it's crazy. They're crooks. They're crooks. Every yeah. single one of them. You got to think about a person that would want to be in those positions, anyways. Like to have that control. Like they say they want to change things, but they got to scratch this person's back. People that are politicians, I don't think they're good people. I don't. I don't they're not. Don't. And we think that like they're like so smart or they're like above human. Like when people are like, well, the government government knows best, or like. The CIA knows best. I'm like, you guys know that they're just normal people, right? And they probably didn't get the position because they were qualified, but because they knew the right person. Like, why are you so blind to just believe in them over like your own expertise or your own knowledge or someone that's like in the private sector's own knowledge, right? It's so interesting, like this view that we have of just like propping up government officials. Like we treat them like royalty and like they're idiots, all of them. They're, they're no smarter than the next person that's in the private sector. Yeah, speaking of royalty, I just saw that thing with um, the Met Gala. The most high-end oh event of the year for people. So luxurious, so amazing. And uh, AOC shows up to this free tickets, all that with a, a tax thing. I'm like, right? wait, do you this, know where you're at? Yeah, this thing used to make me so mad when I used to see this. Like, oh, liberals are so stupid. But yeah, right. Then I realized, like, okay, don't get angry at it. What are you gonna do? You are you gonna bitch about it, or right. how about you go move outside the country, figure out how little of tax you can pay, exactly. figure out how to just not let this person have any effect on your life? Because exactly. if you just sit and bitch. Nothing's going to get changed. Exactly. Know what I mean, and that's yeah. why I've taken the approach of Mr. Harry Brown is like, okay, enough. What can you do in your day to day life to not get angry about this? Or why yeah. are you even listening to this? It's going to change. I don't yeah. think it's going to change. It's only going to get worse, I think. Well, I think, I mean, I'm a little bit more of an optimistic person, but like, I do think that it comes down to like your individual actions and that ripple effect. And you know what? Like, one of my biggest things that makes me believe this, especially, is because going, it always goes back to the Middle East for me because it's, it's genuinely the part of my life that's taught me everything, you know, in so many different aspects, because it opened the window to just a flood of different perceptions, right? Because once one perception's knocked down, you're like, oh my gosh, maybe everything I thought is wrong, right? But, um, oh my gosh, I almost lost my train of thought. So basically, oh my gosh, I think I lost my train of thought. You're, you're an optimist. So the Middle optimist. East. Optimist. Okay. Yes. So, oh, right. So, when I started learning these things about the Middle East, like just in the beginning initially, um, and I started telling, especially when I came home from the Middle East, like I feel like such a different person. And I had like seen and known things that no one in my entire personal life was experiencing. So it was very lonely when I came home and I was quarantined with my family. And as I was able to just explain to just the closest people in my life from my individual choices, like 
new information and then they like catch on to it, right? Like my entire family's <laughs> perceptions on the Middle East have 100% done a 180. Their, their perceptions on a lot of political stuff through my like my like passion and me never shutting up about it have changed. And then from there, it's a ripple effect. Like I know that my mom's a chit chatter and now like people in our neighborhood have come around. My friend group, like people in the small like arena of my Instagram who have told me their perceptions are changing. And I think that it comes down to you doing the individual choice. And when you can just transfer that to the people in your community, like the smallest amount of community, not even like all of Salt Lake City, but just your family, your neighborhood, your church, people who know you and trust you, perceptions really do start to change. And so that's why I really do feel like optimistic about what you were saying about like, all you can do is just focus on your own choice. And like the fact that you did do something about the fact that you didn't want to pay taxes. And when you tell your friend or family about that and they start to understand the concept, you know, maybe they change their mind and then they tell their friends, they tell their family and it just kind of grows. So I, I, I have like a very optimistic view of that because I think that that's how it kind of works. Yeah, that makes you feel good. That's great. But I think the pendulum is going to swing. <laughs> it's going to swing one way or another. And I really like, and he's blown up recently, is um, uh, Andrew Henderson, the nomad oh. capitalist. And his quote okay. that he got from his father when he was like a little kid is like, go where you're treated best and then do it from there. Know what I mean? Like, yeah. why make, why swim upstream? Know what I mean? And there's yeah. been... I think a that makes good, sense. Is, is it a metaphor or an analogy? I can't I can't remember which one. That there's this person out in the middle of uh, the ocean, and they're sinking, and they have like a um, a weight on their foot. And you're like, oh my god! Like you go swim out there, like hey, let me save you. And they just keep holding on to you. They want to drown. They want you to drown with them. That's yeah. kind of like what Western civilization is. You're trying to help. You're trying to say something, but it's like, no, fuck you. Give me all your money. I want this. I want this. It's going this way. So it's like, okay. I mean, why should I drown with you? If you want to drown, you can drown. But I'm not going to do that for my future offspring and and my family. It's right. just like, it's going to swing one way. I hope it swings back. But yeah, I don't have faith. I mean, what I see here in Europe, like it's crazy. Like it's like the the the. I mean, people are all renters now. No one's getting paid. Oh, all their yeah. jobs are shipped to China. All the, I yep. mean, they're signing China deals, and it's this like you care about your people no they, they don't they, they make you in italy they're mandating the vaccine for workers right but mm -hmm. then they have a ton of immigrants come in here they don't care about what they have if they have a COVID or nothing and then these dudes are taking jobs i mean italians are broke they're broke everyone's leaving the country yep. you know what i mean and it's like yeah. what is it's like self-destruction like I, I i don't understand it it's crazy it's so interesting and what what does this all stem from like why why can't people figure this out why can't people figure it out for themselves it's the education no one's been taught. Like, that's where I know we totally have different views, actually, for sure. Like, I am a very optimistic person. Like, I have to be, or what am I doing? You know, I have to be optimis optimistic, or what am I doing? What What is my purpose in life? Like, I, I just have to believe that something can change. Otherwise, I'm not going to say anything anyways, you know, but I just really think that there's a lot of room for change. And like, that's why my biggest focus for just like my small thing that I want to change with Middle East stuff is just to present information in a way that has never been presented before. And that's like really my biggest goal with the Middle East is it's so important what's happening there because it is life or death. Like there are innocent men, women, and children that die every single day because of things that have been perpetrated by the U.S., right? Is it all their fault? Of course not. It's not that simple. But like we as a nation tend to say that we're so righteous and we want to do good, yet we're not doing good. But people in the U.S. don't understand that. And so I want to help people understand in a basic format, like break down these wars from beginning to end. No one's ever taught them like the information, you know, or the context, like I was saying, or made it simple because not everyone has the time to read a thousand books. You know, I know stuff because I've read, I read every single day, like nonstop. But just being able to lay things out for people, because I just I really believe that once someone's eyes are open just a little bit to these basic truths or like a little bit more facts or they understand the situation better, like they'll take the action in whatever way possible, like to change that. But I really do think it comes down to just simple education efforts, because most of us just live in ignorance and that's why nothing's changing. And they want us to live in ignorance, of course. You know, that's why our school system is just ridiculous in the U.S. especially. 
But I really do believe that like there can be a lot of change just through simple education and just like breaking things down for people. And I like to, it's not like you're saying, Hey, I'm going to vote for this person and that's, I'm done. He's going to change it. Everything's good. But you're doing it in your small groups and you're trying to teach people and everything comes from changes. Yeah. And that's the other thing that people need to be educated and understand on is like the president has no power, <laughs> you know, like this, it's a joke to think that a figure is going to change something like that literally means nothing. And if you really understand the intricacies of policy, you understand that it's always grassroots movements that make a difference. Um, one example that's really good is Yemen. So the genocidal war that's happening in Yemen, the biggest like movements and like good policy movements that have happened from the US have all stemmed from just small grassroots movements, not from like big campaigns, right? There's all kinds of big campaigns or like a ton of media attention on Afghanistan, stuff like that. But the real change is coming from these small grassroots movements. So also when I kind of started to understand that, like from a policy standpoint, it gave me a lot more optimism and hope of like the small things that we do because it actually does make a difference. Like it's fact kind of. Well, look at the Tea Party. Was it 2010? Yeah. The Tea Party and then um, Bernie Sanders and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, Those are, but I think they get infiltrated. You know what I mean? Like, look at Bernie Sanders. It seems like like he It seemed like Bernie Sanders had a good heart. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he's a Soviet spy. Went over there for the honeymoon. Who knows? But whatever. Where is he now? And he's just back to Hillary Clinton. Oh, it's 100%. And got screwed over. So it's like, I think the pendulum, like, that's the scary part. Yeah. And that's where, like, I don't know. You just have to, like, have hope and, like, the good people. Like, I. I mean, the Libertarian Party itself has been like infiltrated in a lot of ways, but then there's like, there's still like those pure sects or whatever that still have like that pure notion of what they want to do. So I, I really believe that like there's possibility because I think there's a lot of goodness in the world, but. No, I, I'm not a, a freaking, <laughs> yeah, the nihilist or I, I think the world is shit or whatever, like, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way. It's like, okay, hey, I can make my difference to the people in my life. Yeah. You know what I mean, I can be happy and not bitch. Yeah. And I think you know that's I mean? yeah. and then also like I'm hoping to make the FU money so I can say whatever I want on this podcast. And maybe that changes some people's idea. But I'm yes. not living to a point where the only way I'm gonna be happy is if the world is exactly how I want it to be, no, or exactly. everyone agrees with me. Exactly. It's never gonna happen. It's never you know gonna I mean? happen ever in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I agree with you. So I don't think we're totally different opinions. I think no, we're I don't think we are either. our journey. In a different way, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Anyways, let's switch to the the fun part. So uh, in location independent business, I love that. I love the nomad digital stuff. Yeah. And you've done it through Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So two and a half years ago, um, I was like in a situation in my life where I was working three different jobs. I really wanted to travel. I really didn't want to have a lot of debt with school. I wanted to have a savings. like, And I just was kind of like manifesting for an opportunity to come around where I could make good money. Um, I like a, a bougie lifestyle. It's just who I am. I, I want to make money and I have a lot of ambition. And so I'm like, if I can just have an opportunity where like I can just put full force and I determine the outcome, like that would be amazing. Right. Cause I'm just working nanny jobs right now. And then I started using this hair care brand called Monate. Um, cause my hair was like a disaster, found a girl on Instagram. She was like talking about it. I messaged her. I was like, I need this stuff. Right. So started using the products and I was like, so obsessed. I had never used anything like them before. And I'm not like a hair girl or a beauty girl. Like I don't even own makeup. I have like mascara <laughs> and that's about it. But I, you know, girls care about their hair and my hair was literally disgusting. So I fell in love with these hair products. And then I found out there's like a business end to it, right? It's direct sales. Like you can promote the product on your social media, you can sell it, and then you can build a sales team. So I jumped on the opportunity um, middle of March, 2019. So it's been two and a half years. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because when people hear the the sales team thing, they go like, oh my God, the uh, pyramid <laughs> marketing. I mean, I'm very familiar with affiliate marketing and I know yeah. it's great. You don't have to have any product. You sell other people's shit, especially if you like it, but yeah. I mean, just be careful when you say that people are, oh, oh, this is stupid. So, yeah, but I don't really care if that's what they think because they must not know anything about the industry. (laughs) But I mean, that's just sales. Like, it's not like a new thing. We've always had to have a sales team, right? Like, what is, I don't know if you've ever like 
heard of like summer sales and things like that. But like when you go out and do door to door sales and you sell pest control, you still have a sales team, right? Like that's just the nature of any sales um, in, in the industry. Like you're going to have a sales team. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the setup. The point, the point where people get weird about is when it, it's not about the product anymore. It's about building your team. And it sounds like the product is good and you're focused on selling the product, correct? Yeah. But I also mentor like over 600 women. Um, and I recruit usually about 15 girls a month. So the beauty is that it blesses people's lives, right? When you love a product and you can go sell it. So, I mean, that's what happened for me. Like I needed something that I could make good money, that I could have freedom, that I could have financial freedom. And I found a company that offers that and I love their product. And so now I get to promote their product and I get to help other girls learn how to promote their product too. Right. Um, but the beauty about my company is we're the number one luxury hair care brand in the world now. And we're only seven years old. We have a billion dollar revenue in five years. Like we are literally blowing up the entire industry. It's actually really, really interesting. What about Mary Kay or whatever the, 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 the famous one? Yeah. Mary Kay is like really old. <laughs> they're, they're dead. They're a dinosaur. Let me ask you. Um, I, 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 hate to, I, hate to be, I hate to come at you, but no, you're you make fine. more money from selling the product or from the people underneath you? It's a mix of both. <laughs> but the, I don't see the problem in that because it's like, what does a Target CEO make? Does he make more money from being the CEO of Target or because he has all these stores and all these employees, right? But his employees I'm have a playing devil's advocate. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Here. I know, I know. But so I'm how'd, you build, how'd you build um through you built it through Instagram, like you started making sales to your friends. Like, tell me yeah, about the, the so, strategy of building your. Yeah, I, like when I first started, um, like my mom really always complains about like her thin hair. My sister had postpartum hair loss. My brother's hair was thinning, so I'm like, got you. Like, try these products. Like, they're meant for like growth stimulation. That's like one of our cornerstones, right? Um, so it started just like that. But then, yeah, I just started promoting on Instagram. Like, I just shared my story. Like, my hair was a disaster split ends. Like I had a fucking mullet basically. And the, these products are the only thing that's helped me. I've tried everything. If you need goodies, let me know. So started selling the product and the same thing with the business side. Like, Hey, I have this opportunity. I'm working from my phone, selling and promoting products that I love. You can try out the products. If you love them and you want to promote them, you can work with me. I'll teach you how to do it. So a lot of my job now is mentorship. Um, I teach girls how to build a business just like I've built. And I think that's the beauty. I mean, this business has like literally changed my entire life. I've earned a car with the company. I've been able to live in the Middle East because of this. This is my entire income. This is how I get to pay for school literally out of pocket. I don't have to take out student loans. I just get a pay. And like, not only that, but like the impact that you get to have on other people's lives. And I know maybe people have like a view of this, but I actually think that that's like disintegrating. I don't really think that people have a huge negative view anymore, but like not only did my life change, but like girls that I mentor's lives have changed. Like I have girls who have their Cadillacs, right? I have girls who get to stay home with their kids because of this. I have girls who don't have to take out their student loans because of this. I have girls who have savings because of this, you know, or just girls who needed $200 extra a month and they get to have this. So yeah. yeah. I think the key is you got to really like the product and make sure that's 100%. Like, and that's yeah, like lot, really you know, like, you know what I'm talking about. A lot of this shit, a lot of this stuff is to get the, the pyramid thing. But if you like the product and it's good and you're mentoring, you're making differences. Amazing. It's the same yeah. thing as affiliate marketing. Right. It's the same, basically the, it's same, the same thing. Because It's like how many influencers talk about a product that they've actually never even used, but they're yeah, just getting okay. paid to do an ad. Right. It, I think it's, it's, we're a lot different because like, we don't just get paid just to get paid, right? Like we get paid through our organic marketing and our genuine marketing. We really focus on like just attraction marketing where we're really just sharing something that we love and we really do love it. Otherwise, like we wouldn't use it or buy it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got some tips for people that want to maybe get into this. It helps to build some sort of brand, obviously. But if you're just a sales man or woman, exactly. go, to share, go to share a sale. It's a great affiliate marketing thing. There's tiers where if you sell 10 of that product, then you get bumped up, you get 20%, 30% cut. But I uh, I found a great company, Double Wood. And we haven't started pumping many ads out because I'm waiting really to monetize this till I want to, this podcast. Yeah. But um, the I love this product. I was taking it before 
it's a Tonga Lee extract extract. And then I yeah. contacted them. They said, Hey, go through our share of sale. And it's amazing. It's really yeah. good. So if you want to get into affiliate marketing, try to like build a brand. I think that helps. But if you can just sell shit, you can sell other people's stuff. They, yeah. you don't have any inventory. You can make calls That's on your own. Yeah. And give them that's exactly link. what we do, right? That's like literally exactly what we do. It's like I was using the products before. I love them. So now I have a link and I just talk about it on my social media. Like if I'm doing my hair care, I'm sharing what I, you know, am using and people need help with their hair. People need help with their skin, right? So they just buy from me. They buy from my link. I'm their rep. Like I take care of them. I, I don't have to, I don't have any inventory. I don't have to do anything. I just customize stuff for them, make sure they're good to go. If they need help, I call customer service for them. Like just have good customer service. And it's like, it's very simple and it becomes very passive income, which is awesome too. But, but yeah, and that's, it's been a big blessing for me too. Cause I was not an Instagram girl before this either, but really I've focused and what I teach other women to do is to build a social media brand. And this is just a compensation plan that gets to be attached, right? How long does it take for someone to build up their social media enough to monetize it a long time? And you have to have a lot of followers to do that. But if you want to start off with just building your brand and then you have a company compensation plan attached where you can sell products on the side too, alongside everything else you're doing and make money while you're building your brand. Like I think it's an incredible, incredible opportunity. And that's kind of what I focus on is my Instagram is not about like money, you know, my company, my Instagram is about everything that I like to talk about. But then while people are there and I talk about my hair care, they can buy from me if they're interested in the hair care. Right. But my focus is more on helping girls know how to build a social media brand on what they're per passionate about and then oh, just mix oh, in their beauty oh. stuff with it. How did you build yours and what are your, what's your best advice to build a social media brand? Be yourself and be consistent, be yourself and be consistent. If you do that, you're going to be successful, right? Like if you're showing up every single day, and you're putting in that effort, it's going to accumulate into something. It's going to grow into something. Um, I've been doing this for two and a half years and I just recently, right, like blew up on Instagram and had that reel go viral. And I've obviously had a successful business before that, but it really came down to, I show up every single day. I haven't missed a day on Instagram for two and a half years, not a single day on my story. You know, I'm on there every day showing myself, showing my life and being myself. And I think that's the other thing too, is you really have to just stay true to your voice. People don't want fake things on social media. I feel like anymore, like people are going to gravitate towards you when you choose to be your most authentic self and just be real. So do I write down like the passions I have and every day I post about those passions? Like it's easy to say, be yourself, but help me out here. Cause I want to build my shit too. Yeah. I just think that you need to decide like what you're most interested in. Like, I don't know if you want to build like your bold perception stuff, but like you have to, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if I understand the question, but decide what your pinpoints are, right? So like decide what you want your brand to be about. And there should only be like one or two, three things, right? So my brand is about, if you go look like my bio is my resume, right? So I travel, I guess that's one thing, but not really. But what do I really, really talk about? I talk about libertarianism and I talk about wars in the Middle East. And those are my focal points. And so me just showing up in an authentic way talking about those things and then yeah like i also show my life or whatever but choosing your two main pinpoints and then growing on those and focusing on those consistently i guess yeah so like your niche okay there's a passion yeah, find the niche yeah. and then be yourself within the niche yeah oh good no i like that because i feel like for me like when i found my niche like i Is someone calling me or someone calling you when I found my niche, like it still took me a minute to really feel like I was being authentic with that niche because I know that like maybe my perceptions or like my opinions on things are going to be, they're scary to put out there, you know? And I could so easily just toe the line. But the minute I decided to just not toe the line and just say like what I had in my heart and my mind is when I started to grow. Um, so that's, I think where the authenticity comes from is just like getting over that fear of like fitting in or towing the line or, um sticking with the norms and just saying like truly what you think and like what's I your question, I have a question like uh, i'm gonna ask you how you got over that fear that's a big big thing and like dealing with the hate and whatnot yeah. my my always thing is i want to drop some deeper stuff but i'm worried about it's going to affect my personal how i make money it's gonna right. but usually it doesn't right usually it's just in my head 
totally really gives a fuck, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, this is something that I'm still overcoming to be quite honest. Like doing this podcast is scary for me. Like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what if I say something that pisses someone off? They come at me. I don't know. Like, I think it's something that takes a while to learn, but I guess that my answer is I have spent so much time just working on myself. And when you work on yourself, like as I've grown and changed as a woman, my business has grown. My brand has grown. Like everything around me has grown. And so it really just comes down to like, what are your daily habits? Are you personally developing? Are you doing things that help you grow your mindset? And then everything else is going to flow after that, you know? So I really focus on a lot of personal development, um, you know, changing certain habits, exercising, eating right, like doing all these like small things that you wouldn't think has anything to do with you stating your opinion online. But it does because when you're confident in yourself and you get out of that like cycle mindset where you think like, oh, everyone's going to come at me and everyone's going to care what I think, like just what you said. But in reality, it's the opposite, right? So it's just our mental block. And that mental block's only going to go away when you work on your mindset. Yeah, because you are talking about a very controversial topic. It's probably one of the most controversial. So yeah. I'm wondering, and you've gotten some hate, haven't you? Or have you not? I I actually, like, I've, I, I've been pretty happy because I haven't gotten that much hate, which is great. Um, the only thing that people will go off on me about is, like, um, Israel and the occupied Palestinian territory. So that's, like, more one of the more controversial things that I... <laughs> I get on. So that's the only thing that people get a little bit more heated with. But other than that, I haven't dealt with that much. Yeah, obviously, I mean, I haven't experienced it. But from what I've seen is you really don't get the hate hate until you're really quite big. This is after you got like a nice community that really likes you. Exactly. And it seems exactly. like people have a hundred thousand. I think, yeah, for me, it's been like a lot of love, which is awesome. I think that's what happens. And then you get to like, like 500,000 subscribers on YouTube or like a million. And then the guy okay, talk shit. Yeah. You already, had, you already built up like, like a beautiful community till then. And yeah. then, but then people focus only on the negative too. It's like mm -hmm. you have 99% of these people that love what you do, support you. And then you only care about the 1%. I think that's why I said yeah. Logan Paul, like, um, in the impulsive, like he had this huge community and then you'd only focus on the negative people. Know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and then forget about all these people he's making differences and, and whatnot. So, yeah, exactly. It's really interesting. I know I, yeah, I've never dealt with like any hate from anything. Like even with what I do for work, like I don't have any haters on it. It's just not a thing that exists for me. And I would hope so because I really do try and like do things with a good heart and like authenticity. But when that reel went viral, I had like my first taste of the trolls. And I was like, people are just so annoying. Like I just like, hate them <laughs> like they're just annoying about it like they're saying like the most annoying like little jabs that shouldn't matter at all and I remember like the first day I was like in a dark hole I was like this is not fun like I wish that video didn't blow up but then I don't know you get over it real fast because yeah you just stop focusing on yeah. that like tiny percentage do you think um you said you don't really get much hate but being from the small town in Utah you said when you moved to um uh, the Middle East people like we're talking do you think there is a lot of talk about you behind the scenes, but you just don't focus on it or you get over it. I just don't know. I've never wondered. <laughs> so maybe there is, but good thing I've never wondered because I'm and not you keep that mindset by focusing on yourself and, and growing as a woman. Right. That's the key. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, I was also blessed like with family and parents that were always like, I don't know, just like they believe in you you know, and we've just kind of as a family just been people that don't like concern ourselves with other people's opinions. You know, we just really focus on like what we're doing. And I think when you grow up with parents that are super into like believing in you and telling you, you can do anything that you want, it, it it's like a really big blessing for me. Like, I really think that's a big part of like why I'm at where I'm at because of them just believing in me. Um, so yeah. Well, I mean, this is a good thing about, I think the, the Mormon um, religion, because I've met some Mormons it's they live in their own bubble and they're happy. I mean, yeah, even, I mean, it's crazy. Like and from the outside, you're talking about what that Joseph Smith, like me, I'm just like, what the, are you guys nuts? But you guys live in your own bubble and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but as long as you're happy and you focus on what makes you happy, this is what I was talking about before, what the reality is subjective. Like if you believe in the Joseph Smith tablet thing and it makes you happy, then that's truth. And that's happy truth. Like yeah. that's not, 
really affecting your life? I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting. Like the Mormons yeah. like are, are pretty good with that. It's like how can you keep that 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 mindset with all this shit going on and stay happy? I think it's interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting. And like I've still been through things in my life and dealt with addiction and this and that with parents and my family and stuff like like I've had real stuff happen in my life and lots of other religious people too, but there is like a significance in being surrounded by a community or like growing up in a community or like in a bubble per se, like that does focus on just like a lot of goodness and kindness and like love. And, and it's going to affect you, I think in a good way. And sometimes it affects people in a negative way, unfortunately, um, which is the sad part. But yeah, for me, definitely growing up in like a loving home for the most part is probably why like I really have succeeded a lot. I, I owe it a lot to just my parents and my siblings. Yeah, that was kind of like a, a main point I was getting to with the fact, feeling, truth, reality. And like I, I do affirmations, I manifest. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, why not just create this bubble around me that makes me happy and makes me excited? Who cares what's true, what's not? I mean, if I'm not hurting other people in a libertarian, you know, viewpoint, yeah. right? Yeah. Long, if, why can't I just make this bubble in my head? I don't yeah. care what the hell else is going on as long as I'm happy. I think that's. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's practice Mormonism to get it a, a stronger bubble. <laughs> I think it's a it's a really significant thing, and like, yeah, and I wouldn't even say it's just Mormonism, right? It's like any small concentrated community you're gonna live within a bubble to an extent, right? Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting. I was gonna say something else about that, but I feel like I can't remember now. I lost it. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how to do it without a community. That's been my life. Like I'm being yeah. nomadic. Oh, that's all what shit. I was gonna say. How can Is I make my own bubble without the yeah. help around me? Do you listen to Joe Dispenza? No. You have to listen to Joe Dispenza. He's incredible. He talks a lot about like the quantum fields and it's like meditation and things where like you literally create your own reality. Like your internal world is a thousand times more important than your out. Uh, external world and like when you create something in your internal world it becomes your external world so like there's a lot of like science and physics behind the fact that you just can literally create your own reality in your own bubble that's kind of what that reminded me of no i'm i'm deep down those rabbit holes so i'll have to check out that dude but yeah, I, mean, is, I guess i saw it in mexico like i saw like a family of 12 living in a shack you know dirt poor and they were the happiest people alive. happy like, yeah what it's the hell is going on? No, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like a freaking, the I am, or I think, therefore I am, perception is reality. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. all the people have been talking about this shit for thousands and thousands of years. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's just, it's trippy how to, like, just make your own little matrix. That's the key. Yeah. I'm going to live in my own little bubble and be happy. Happy boy. Amazing. Okay, so where can we find you on the socials and what kind of things can you give to our community? I mean, obviously, if there's a woman listening, she wants to do the hair, but what else? Yeah, can, right, you, right. Can, someone, can someone contact you to talk about their Middle Eastern paper or what? <laughs> yeah, you can just, my Instagram is what I use, like solely. I like don't have anything else. I don't have TikTok or any of that stuff. I'm just not into it. So Instagram, my at is Quinn R. Driggs. Um, you can DM me if you want to talk but what i talk about on my instagram is mostly like yeah like i said war in the middle east i educate on libertarianism so that's things that you want to look into more like definitely please come check out my page and i'm i'm just getting started with that stuff too so there's going to be a lot more um content and everything like that and then hopefully in the future a podcast i really hope that's like in the near future but yeah definitely for sure i think um i'm going to be curious to follow this story is when you start really getting into libertarianism because i think the people are going to come after you <laughs> I, I, I hope you stay strong and keep fighting the, the fight. I, I will stay strong i'll keep fighting the fight i already know it i i've already dedicated my life to it it's in my heart in my soul <laughs> that's the problem i'm too passionate about it <laughs> amazing awesome thank you so much for coming on quinn yeah, thank you, you. Great, great combo yeah it was nice to meet you okay sweet thanks again and you're you're in Utah, right? How long are you staying there until you move? Um, I might be moving back to Jordan um, in the winter. Okay, if Hopefully. you go there, I get to visit, so you can safely okay. guide me around the Middle East. Great, I will do that. <laughs> okay, yes. sounds good. Thanks. Hi guys, live bold. Bonjour. 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 Bonjour.
Papi, 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 papi.